hi, my name is Ashley. Hi. Um, welcome to Bethany West Seattle. There's like a weird hissing sound up here, Chelsea. I don't know if that's a thing or not. Um, but anyway, I want to say hi to all the guys in the crowd today and to let you know that if you are a male and you're here and you're like, man, there sure are a lot of women in the crowd today. It is not always like that. Um, a lot of our men are on a men's retreat this weekend. They're in Lummi Island. Um, it is snowing, I just heard, there. So they are cold um, and having a good time, I assume. So um, anyway, uh, my name is Ashley. I'm the director of family ministry and community life. Um, since Prentice is at the men's retreat, he gave me the honor of sharing the word with you guys today. Um, so I'm really glad to be here. Um, I haven't been up here in a while. Um, it's been a long season for my husband and me. We have uh, just had a lot going on. Lost uh, My husband lost his dad. Uh, we just had a lot of crazy things happen. I'm pregnant. That also happened. It's really exciting, but it's just been busy. And um, I was really, really, oh, good. Grateful to um, be able to dig into this scripture in particular today, um, just because it gave me it gave me a renewed sense of purpose um, as I walked as I'm walking through life. Um, it just kind of is a start. It's a brand new start. Um, so we've been going through Romans for a really long time now, and we're not done. So we are in Romans. We're finishing up chapter 13. Um, we're going to start today in verse 8 and up on the screen. Uh, you guys can follow along with me. Um, so let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Romans 13, 8. So, oh, last week, Prentice talked a lot about, like, government, and that's what the first half of 13 was about, is um, pay your debts to the government and all this stuff. And so you may be thinking, like, oh, I've, there's, there's, like, two groups of people when they think of debt. There's one that says, oh, yeah, maybe I, I just really kind of owe on my mortgage, and um, I don't really owe any weird things to people. I pay for that every month, but other than that, I'm really kind of good. Um, or you could be in this camp that's like, man, I have student loans coming out of my ears, and I have this car loan and these debts that just keep piling up, and I can't figure out how to pay them back. Um, so in 2018, the stats were that 44 million Americans were $1.5 trillion in the hole. Oh, that's a lot. Um, the average debt owed per person was $37,172, um, which is a lot of stress to add to a human's life. But how does this debt um, and this owing apply to this passage? Um, how can you truly owe anybody love that the currencies don't really match up? Um, the idea that I owe a continuing debt of some kind to love one another, it just doesn't click for me. Um, yeah, I just can't owe a debt of love. Well, the biggest gift of all has been given to us, which is the gospel. It's Jesus. 
It's our biggest gift. Um, it's our joy. It's endlessly good. Um, and it's given, it was given at the greatest cost. Um, now, I'm not saying that we owe God for our salvation. That's not what I'm saying. Um, because it's, it would be impossible to repay anyway. Um, but our lives should reflect a respect for and an awareness of knowing uh, and being humbled around this idea that we're free and we have done absolutely nothing of our own accord to deserve it. So that's how our, that's the love that we owe. The goodness of the gospel is that we owe it all to Jesus because he died on the cross to pay the debt of our sin. But in owing, we're actually far more free than we would ever be on our own. So let's look at this debt of owing love in like a practical way. So Bethany is comprised of many campuses. Um, And between all of us, we have a ministry called the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation, which is awesome. Um, As a whole, as a group of staff and church church campuses, we have been trying to walk faithfully um, and for a while studying, praying, seeking opportunities for peace and racial healing. We recently uh, just invited a speaker, Daniel Hill, was that last week, um, to come and give a talk about white privilege in the church and um, was really interesting. I really encourage you to read his book, White Awake. Um, We'll be happy to talk to you about it after. Um, But we've been trying to walk with him each week to think about and focus our minds on this ministry of uh, racial justice and reconciliation. Um, Even every week before the sermons, I get an email, or Prentice would get an email with an update from this ministry saying anything that's pertinent that's going on in the world, um, or anything that we can bring up and actually talk about in sermons. Um, So we're not just glazing over um, things that are happening in major events and uh, things like that, but we can actually appropriately talk about issues with Bethany as a whole. Um, And like it or not, for most of us, in this community and the community of West Seattle and Seattle as a whole and, and the nation, we have, we're learning in a spiritual sense that um, race, racism and racial injustice has been layered upon our brothers and sisters of color for generations. And we've just been complicit in it, and it's, it's just broken uh, to one degree or another, and it's just continuing in brokenness. Um, so over and over again, injustice and oppression of all stripes fail, uh, falls disproportionately hard on minority and impoverished communities. And it's real in our city and our nation. And for many of us in this room today, that's a wake-up call. And I say that not speaking directly at you, but directly to me as well. So um, it's not easy to say, but it's stirring in me. And the reason I'm bringing it up and how it connects to this is because when Paul was talking to these folks in, um, in Romans 13, he was talking to these people who had, a, who, they were divided over race. There was the Jews and the Gentiles that were totally divided over race. They were united by Christ in some people's eyes. <laughs> they were, and, um, and 
Jesus's as they were, but they were united by Christ, yet divided by things like cultural practices, language, how to pursue a life with God um, in this secular city that was ruling the world. Um, So these passages, when they read them, the love your neighbor as yourself, you owe this person love, um, it cut to their heart. This is, these are harsh words coming to people who were like super divided at this time. And because of what Jesus has done, we, the church, owe a great and impossible debt. And it's not about repaying it because Jesus paid it all, but it's very much about responding to that debt in faith and to love one another. To know and see that all of my blindness and all of our blindnesses to the needs of others um, My own addictions, my own failures, everything falls on Jesus. And if I owe him everything, there's nothing that he can't ask of me because I owe him everything. He died for me. He died for my sin. He saved me. My salvation, I owe him. Um, Not that I'm operating or acting out of an onus, but out of a love and knowing that he, I just owe it all. I'm walking in freedom because of him. Um, So we're just going to keep going um, to the next slide. Um, And this starts back in verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So Paul continues this theme by talking to the Jews and Gentiles in the church with his statements, you should not commit adultery and don't commit murder and don't covet and don't list, 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 list of things that you should not do, how you should not behave. Um, But you should love your neighbor as yourself. So think of this like a funnel. So it starts out with these, the widen is the different commandments of things like theft, murder, coveting, um, and then everything is like taped together with this um, and all the other commandments. And then it comes out, but the narrow end, the final statement is, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the sum total of all of the rules laid out in scripture comes down to this one thing you Roman Christians from either Jewish or Gentile background is that you need to love each other. doesn't matter the way that you believe that you should worship, but you need to love each other. Jesus talked about this a lot in his teaching um, when he was parables and just his teaching in general. Um, Love God, love your neighbor. We've heard it a lot of places. We talk about it in Sunday school a lot. (laughs) Love God, love your neighbor. Um, And yet the simplicity of it is something really easy to kind of just gloss over. It's something that you hear so many times that it's easy to just kind of block out. Um, It's so easy, in fact, that Jesus took time to drill it down in an important gospel teaching. So I don't have a slide for the next part of scripture. Um, There are some Bibles in your pews. Everybody has phones that have Bibles on them now. Um, But I encourage you to read this next portion of scripture just throughout your week next week um, as you're contemplating and remembering what God is bringing you to. 
Um, but we're, uh, we're in Matthew 5, and we're just going to skim the sections. But uh, again, just I encourage you to, to read it this week. So Matthew 5, 21, it says, You've heard it said, you shall not murder. Yes, yes, I understand that murder is bad. Yeah, um, we've heard this before. Jews have heard it in the Old Testament. It was likely a law in Roman times. Like, don't kill people. It's pretty self-explanatory. Murder is bad. Um, But keep going. In verse 22, it says, But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. In other words, hear me, because the kind of anger he's talking about is different than righteous or justice-seeking anger, it's, um, or holy anger, which is another topic. This is anger that is fueled by selfishness. Um, that, in the context of the earlier situation, so he was talking about murder, and then he says, but if you're angry with your brother or sister, you're liable to judgment. So basically, that you're already guilty if you're mad. Um, he's looking at your heart. He's not necessarily saying, like, it's just the murder. <laughs> he's saying, man, if you get in this quarrel and you have been so... I have a brother. A lot of you have siblings. Growing up was tough sometimes. You got so mad at your sibling. We were like, man, I really could just run you over right now. <sighs> I have a few memories of really feeling that in my heart. Um, and that, that kind of guilt, I mean, that's there. That was me being liable to judgment. Um, I know what it feels like to become enraged and blinded by anger. Um, this, I, I didn't get what I wanted. That was unfair to me. Uh, it was unjust to me. And um, picturing dark nightmares that should never arrive in reality. But um, So Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Um, and in verse 27 of Matthew 5, he says, Don't walk out on your marriage vows. Okay, something else that we all are like, yeah, that's bad. Like, don't do that. Um, it's against the rules of society. It hurts people. It leads to pain and heartache. And, um, and then at verse 28, it says, But looking with lust, you've already committed adultery. <laughs> there it is again. It's not the thinking. It's... It, it's it's what's in your heart. If your heart is lusting after someone else, you're, you're already there. You're already there. You're already committing this sin. Murder is this big concept, likely which most of you have not encountered, I hope. Um, but this one hits a little closer to home because if you have a pulse, you've probably felt some sort of lust at some point or covetedness at some point. Um, And we all know that that only leads to deception and lies and hiding and shame and isolation. Um, So Jesus keeps going in Matthew 5 and does the same thing like over and over again. (laughs) Um, What's he doing? He's talking about your heart. He's talking about what's going on, not on necessarily the outside, but what's happening inside. Um, um, But what Jesus is doing here. And what Paul is saying is that people of faith should have a really good map of their hearts. They should know what their hearts are doing. Uh, They should know their weaknesses, the places of pain and struggle, so that 
they can, we can hold on to these places and ask Jesus for healing. So if you know the weaknesses, if you know your struggles, if you know your limits, um, you can ask Jesus for healing in that. Uh, this was an urgent concern for the church in Rome. Their foothold in an influential, highly successful, powerful city was at risk. Um, the, their mission was to share the gospel, and that was shaken because of strife between Jews and Gentiles. They were fighting and arguing and not getting along. And what held them together was this calling. It wasn't the church. Um, it, was, it was the church becoming a place of community, a place where people could come and feel alive and feel vulnerable and share their hearts. So this is our calling. My question to you and my challenge to you today is, could you, as you're thinking here, um, name someone who could ask about your heart? Maybe not even necessarily your spouse or significant other, but is there someone in your life that could ask you about your heart? If there's not, if you're drawing a blank right now, get connected. There are, I have a million opportunities for you to get plugged in, to get involved in a small group. We're going to have a small group launch here in a couple of weeks. We would love for you to get involved. Um, Get somebody to know your heart so they can ask you about it. Um, Because that is the life-changing part of this. Um, Let this place and that person um, and this community be your place of freedom by strengthening your heart's firmness in the gospel. Community, just dive into a group, dive into a dinner, go to lunch with somebody, um, get to know them so they can know your heart and you can know theirs. Um, so we're just gonna we're gonna keep going. Uh, the next slide uh, starts. We're gonna finish this off eleven through fourteen. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how, how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's verses 11 through 14. So this first part in verse 11, it talks about the hour has come for you to wake from your slumber because salvation is nearer now to when we first believed. The night is almost over and the day is here. Um, the first time I read this was probably in college. And what I took from it then was like, oh no, I better get my act together like right now because he is pressuring me and rushing me, which is like my number one pet peeve um, to be rushed. And um, that is how I felt when I read this, was like, uh, like this impending sense of something coming. But instead, I really think after reading this again and trying to understand it a little better, I think that he's meaning this as a sense of hope um, and not necessarily something to make you scared, <laughs> but something to encourage people. Um, it's not designed to be daunting. Um, so what he's saying is, now's the time. Why are you waiting 
to love your neighbor. Now is the time to look like Jesus and to model your life after him um, and around the gospel. Now is the time. Uh, we've waited long enough to just be kind for being kind's sake or um, let's just be kind because Jesus loves everybody and let's try and love them like he did. So let's keep, let's keep breaking this down. Um, but so it says here, uh, this is a weird section of verse because Paul, I feel like, talks about behavior a lot um, and, like, don't do this and behave properly and all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, great, you're giving Christians, like, this great to-do list of things to do and things to not do. I won't murder and I will love people. Um, but the word behave that Paul uses in this um, scripture is called, it's parapateo in Greek. Yeah, I learned this this week, so I'm not a Greek student. Um, hopefully saying it right. But it means to walk. It doesn't necessarily mean to behave, so it, it, it means to walk. And when I think about what it means to walk, I think of it as not being an instantaneous thing. Um, walking is, it implies a journey. It implies something that takes a little bit of time. Um, and, in, and practice, probably. Um, it's a process. It's ongoing. So, um, and I, again, I still think it's weird that he's talking about behaviors and still listing these things. But this behaving that he's talking about relates more to the idea of putting on Christ. And uh, we'll, we're going to get into more of that in a second. But um, it's more like getting dressed for the occasion. And that occasion is salvation. So if I'm going to go hiking in beautiful Washington State, I am not going to wear high heels and a skirt and a tank top. I mean, I might wear a tank top, but, um, you know, I'm going to wear chacos and probably long pants or some type of closed-toed shoe. I don't know. Something to protect me for my long journey which my husband makes me go on. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to... My motto in life is to be joyfully flexible um, because it's, it's fun. It's funny. Um, we'll get this worked out. You can hear me now. I don't have to yell. Um, so, don't dress yourself in these other things um, that he's saying. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't whatever the long laundry list is. Um, Learn how to wear the right clothes during the trials of life, during your everyday life. You choose to see trials as an opportunity to put on Jesus. Um, At the end of the section in verse 14, he says verbatim, clothe yourself in Jesus. And that's when you just ask yourself, am I loving this person? Or am I becoming the kind of person who loves like Jesus loves? Because there's a difference. You can love people just for the sake of being nice and being a good human. But there's a difference between how Jesus would love someone and the way that our human self can love someone. Because we don't have enough power to love them the way that Jesus loves them without having him on us. Um, if you want to see what it looks like to love people like Jesus, look back in scripture. Read through the Gospels to be like, man, 
Look at these parables about the Good Samaritan. Look at how he treated the woman at the well. Look who he surrounded himself with at all times. Um, Who were these people? Um, How did he love them? How did he treat them? How did he speak to them? Um, And then remember also back to your salvation and back to how he loves you and how he loves me and the goodness and the freedom and the hope that's in that. Um, I also like to think of this, um, I know it's talking about clothes, but I also think about the aroma of Christ, um, and this is in 2 Corinthians, but, um, for example, if you have been around someone who smokes, or if you're in a club with a lot of smoking or something, you would probably leave and smell like smoke, Um, If you go into a coffee shop or if you work at a Starbucks, you smell like coffee at the end of the day. Um, I used to work at Chick-fil-A, and I would come home and smell like chicken. It's not great, but (laughs) my parents would be like, oh, you smell like chicken. And I was like, no, I smell like money. (laughs) Because I was 16. (laughs) And yeah, but aroma is the strongest sense in relation to your memory, which is interesting. Um, but I think of that aroma as, like, of Christ. So when you're putting on Jesus, can people smell him on you? I mean, I, we talk about can, he, can they see him on you, can they see him in your actions, but can they smell him on you? Have you been with him and around him enough that they, they, people can walk by and be like, man, that girl smells different. She smells like Jesus. Um, can they smell them on you? Uh, so uh, some tangible ways to clothe yourself in Jesus. Um, because I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, just wake up and go put Jesus on today. Um, we have these really cool cards out. They're little business cards, great to go in any wallet or pocket. They're out at the Connect table. Um, You've seen them around probably if you've been hanging around Bethany, but it's the rule of life, Um, something that we've talked about for a while. We've talked about it in small groups. We've, I don't know, it's been around for a bit. But um, I like this because it kind of goes more with aroma than it does about putting clothes on. Um, But it talks about the inhaling habits and exhaling habits of Christ. And so, like, some of the inhaling habits being solitude, fasting, Sabbath, Um, Some of the exhaling being service, praying for others, hospitality. Um, And there's a whole list of them. Something to kind of carry around with you and say, you know, as I'm trying to smell smell more like Jesus and put on Jesus every day, what are some of the things I can be practicing? What are some of the things that come naturally to me? And what are some of the things I need to talk with about my, to my heart person about maybe practicing and implementing into my life to look more like Jesus. Um, I'm not as long of a preacher as Prentice, um, which is great. But (laughs) uh, I'm always constantly worrying about how many kids are downstairs and what's happening. I haven't heard any yelling, so that's really good. But the band is going to come back up. (laughs) And I just want to challenge you guys this week to do a few things that correspond uh, with these verses that we talked about. First, assess how we're loving each other. Um, 
Are we being kind out of obligation or just because we feel like it's necessary? Or are we truly loving people and seeing them through the eyes of Christ? That's the first thing. Assess how you're loving each other. Second, check your heart. Are your thoughts and motivations causing you to sin? Do you have a person that can ask about your heart this week? Um, And if not, how can you find this person? How do I get involved to find this person? And last, um, let's actively think about waking up each morning, every morning before your feet hit the ground, um, and ask what would it be like to, instead of thinking about what outfit or what clothes are clean, um, what would it be like to put on Jesus first? What would it look like to smell like Jesus that day? and dress for the occasion. So, because today, hope is here.